0: I'm Alicia Miklasik-Gonzalez, host of the Real Talk podcast and an emergency doctor with Vituity, a physician-led and owned partnership comprised of doctors, advanced providers, and industry professionals working together to provide compassionate, quality acute care to patients across the nation. Vituity's number one goal is to be at the heart of better care. But in considering what's important to us and prioritizing the wellness of our clinicians and employees, Vituity has also made diversity a focus of their work. The following episode is brought to you by members of one of Vituity's enterprise resource groups, created to provide support for different demographic groups within our organization. Our hope is to amplify stories from the diverse community of healthcare workers we proudly work alongside, while acknowledging the unfair systems we continue to struggle with in our country, and then work together to change them. This is Real Talk Unplugged.
1: I'm Melissa Nunez, Manager of Academic and Scribe Recruiting Programs at Vituity and co-lead of WAVE, Women at Vituity Excel. Welcome to Real Talk, a place where healthcare professionals share stories about the human experiences that have shaped and affected their careers working in medicine. Today we'll hear a story from Basan Hanuna, a talent engagement specialist based on the East Coast, working on the practice management side of Vituity helping those who are trying to enter the healthcare landscape for the very first time from residency or fellowship. This is Bassan's first job out of school too, so she has a keen understanding of what it's like for her and her peers to enter the workforce, especially her female peers. Working as a woman is nuanced and complex in nature, especially when so much of what work is historically becomes steeped in gender roles. Boys became men who went to work, and girls became mothers who became homemakers. Men were the breadwinners, and women put the bread on the table. And while this is said in the past tense, these gender roles, while not as extreme, are still prevalent today. Women have made huge strides in the workforce in the last 100 years. 70 million more women now hold jobs. And yet, only 21% of C-suite positions are held by women. Women hold only 38% of manager positions. And women of all races earn on average 82 cents to every dollar earned by men of all races. The gender wage gap is more significant for women of color, especially for Latina or Hispanic women who earn just 54 cents to the dollar a man earns. If we look at this through the lens of healthcare, a substantial gender gap persists there as well. 48% of all medical school graduates are women. However, they comprise only 34% of all physicians and surgeons. The wage gap is especially troubling because it further propagates that a man should earn more money than a woman, or that men naturally just have more money than women. Cher, in a now infamous 1996 TV interview, describes a conversation with her mom, where her mom tells her that one day she should settle down and marry a rich man. Cher's reply, I am a rich man. The issues of money notwithstanding, women in the workforce also have the added burden of dealing with workplace harassment, stereotypes, and implicit bias. Constant reminders to tame your tongue and measure your tone. Feminism and the social and economic developments of the 1960s became the agents of change for women to increase their ability to join the workforce while perhaps also cementing occupational segregation by sex. It has felt at times that the confines of our gender roles are inescapable like we may never climb out from underneath their weight. But how much of these viewpoints are self-inflicted? Inflicted from our own upbringing, our own family, deciphering our place in the world anew. Gender roles are culturally influenced, influenced by the media, society, and largely by our own family's rich history and unbridled influence. While I might look at traditional gender roles through my third generation American lens, what about the stories of first generation Americans? What if our heroine doesn't want to subvert the role of the working woman, but lean into it? And heaven forbid, what if she wants to change her mind? This is Bassan's story.
2: If you ask my dad, the reason my brother and I are so successful is because of my mom. My mother was a stay at home mom. This is pretty common in our culture. My family is from Bethlehem, originally in Palestine. I wouldn't say that this is true for all Palestinian women. Many women hold jobs there, but I would say it's definitely the accepted gender norm. For those that don't know, Palestine's in the Middle East and is in conflict with Israel. That conflict's actually the reason my parents moved out of Bethlehem. They wanted to give my brother and me freedom and opportunity. We actually first moved to Abu Dhabi in the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, which also wasn't exactly the best fit for us. My family's Christian, and we didn't have a lot of equal opportunity there as Christians. So we ended up moving to the U.S., land of the free to just give us more opportunity. We ended up here in this country, living in Florida at the time. Following pretty traditional roles, my dad was the moneymaker of the household, my mom, the homekeeper, both working hard to achieve that American dream that everyone always talks about. And I actually think they were pretty successful. My dad worked IT for about 30 years, climbing up the corporate ladder before opening up his own successful business. And my mom had the important job of raising two kids, with the added hurdle that it was in a country whose social norms she also wasn't acclimated to yet. I give her a lot of props, as well as any other first-generation American parents, truthfully, for raising two kids in a completely different culture than one she knows. Still, she tackled this challenge with a bravery and poise that many would envy, and I know that I for sure appreciate. I grew up with this amazing image of my Palestinian mom who prioritized family above all else and was always there for her kids, her husband, all of us. She always knew the answers to all of our questions. Anytime you needed her, she was there. Anytime you had a problem, she was there. My mom who supported your dreams no matter what. My mom who understood everything that was happening in my life because she had the opportunity to, because she stayed at home and she was there to raise us. And I always thought... This was amazing, right? I always was like, wow, look at my mom. Look at this woman who's here supporting her family. And I think it's one of the hardest jobs. I think it's one of the hardest jobs anyone can have is to raise kids. And my mom was just a rock star at it. I always thought to myself, that's what I want to. I want to be just like my mom. I want to be able to provide to my kids what my mom provided for me. I want to be able to stay at home and I want to be able to do exactly what she did. I loved it. I always knew too that I really wanted a lot of kids. Both of my parents come from relatively big families. So I have quite a few cousins and they both planned to have a lot of kids themselves. I think they wanted at least four or five, um, but unfortunately that didn't end up happening for a pretty sad reason. My dad has Crohn's. And for those of you that don't know, Crohn's is an autoimmune disease and he has a pretty severe case of it, unfortunately. So there was a point when his disease got really bad And we were really worried about him. My mom talks about this time with a lot of heartache. And I mean, it was just a really difficult time, I think, for everyone. At one point, they were pretty worried for his life. And this sort of became a big turning point in my parents' life. Um, In my own life, really, my dad was really sick. And suddenly there was a real fear that my mom would be left alone in a country whose culture she doesn't know, whose language she barely speaks, with two kids, no college degree, and no way to support herself or her family. This was terrifying. This was terrifying for my father. This was terrifying for my mother. And it was just a really difficult time overall. I'm thankful now and incredibly blessed that my dad recovered and he's doing okay. And he's still with us. Thank God. But this really impacted our future. My parents didn't have the large family that they planned. They decided that it was best to stick with me and my brother as their two kids. This was something that was always in my subconscious. This was something that sort of stayed with me. And that I thought about often, knowing that I wanted to be a stay at home mom, I knew that I had to be able to support myself and my family should anything happen to my husband in the future. so actually, this was one of my biggest motivators for going to college. I do want to pause here a bit because I think that this is a pretty layered thing um You know, of course, my parents also raised us to believe in the value of education and understand how important a college degree was. And my dad did want us to be successful, and my mom really wanted me to chase my dreams. I mean, the whole point of moving to America was to give us these opportunities. So it wasn't the only reason by any means that I decided to go to college, but it was definitely a huge factor. I just, I really wanted to make sure that I could support myself and my kids in the future should worst case scenario ever happen. And of course, none of us ever wish that it does. So I decided to go to college, though, also, as every Arab kid knows, you don't really have a choice anyway. But I'm, I'm really thinking that I really want to meet people and get involved. I've always sort of been a social butterfly. So I do. I do get involved. I join Greek life. I run and get elected for student body government. I become an orientation leader, a student mentor on campus, a math tutor. And the list goes on. I just get as involved as I can. And the more I got involved, the more I learned about myself, the more confident I became, and the more truthfully I just fell in love with myself. I mean, I found myself in college. I found parts of myself that I didn't even know existed, and I loved it. I loved every moment. I found my voice, the voice that I didn't even know that I had. I discovered passions that I didn't even think would ever even interest me, and I grew in ways that I didn't think was possible. My independence grew and I became more self-reliant. I kept working on myself and discovered that self-betterment was my biggest motivator. I kept pushing myself to grow, kept pushing my limits, stepping out of my comfort zone, and I became a person that I was really, really proud of. My dreams and my ideas of the future and what I wanted started to change. The more I found myself and found what really motivated me and kept me going, my ideas for the future just kept changing and changing with it. And truthfully, I think this is true for everyone. I think as you grow, so does your path in the future that you make. And it definitely was true for me. So I graduated with my undergrad, and now I had this degree in my pocket that I could fall back on in the future should I need to. And that was basically fulfilling what the point of it was, right? I really just wanted to make sure that I could support myself and my kids in the future. But that ended up not being enough for me. I still had this thirst for growth, this desire to keep bettering myself, and I knew education was a key part of that. And so, for no reason other than my own growth, I decided to pursue my MBA. My parents absolutely supported me the whole way through. My dad was really proud of me, and though I wasn't living with her anymore, my mom still managed to be present and up-to-date with everything in my life, just like when I was a kid growing up. She's superwoman. I don't know how she did this all. I graduated with my master's at age 22, and my parents were so proud of me, but I also was very proud of me. I was the first in my family to achieve this, and I did this out of my own desire, too. After graduating, I landed my first full-time position here at Vituity, which only reinforced my desire for self-betterment and growth. This wasn't a backup plan for me anymore. I didn't just get my MBA and go, all right, that's it. I'm done working on myself. No, this was a part of my life. I love working and contributing to society. I want and I'm proud of the career and future that I'm building for myself, and I am still finding ways to grow. I am still finding ways to work on myself and better myself. It's actually just still my biggest motivator. I know that I still want children, and I still know that I want to be as present as possible in their lives and upbringing, but I also want to keep building on my career. I'm proud of my achievements and the path I've taken until now. I worked hard to achieve everything, but I also know the reason I'm so successful is because I've had incredibly amazing parents who set me up to be this successful. And my dad's right. A large part of that is the fact that my mom was able to stay home and raise us as our full-time job, and I still really admire that. So, I am 25 now. At my age, my mom was a mom, at home in a new country with a new language and new customs, learning her way through a new landscape. At 25, I've graduated from university in the U.S. with both an undergraduate and graduate degree. I purchased a home and I'm investing in the stock market. And yet, as a first-generation American, I'm also learning a new landscape just like she was. I'm a woman learning what it's like to marry this independence, these American lessons and values while maintaining the more traditional values of my upbringing. I want to work, but I want to have a family. I want to own a home, but I want to cook all the dinners served at my table. I want to take all of my mom's ideals and pass them down to my own daughter one day while making sure they honor and respect her thoughts and feelings too. I am proud to be my ancestors' wildest dreams as long as they're my dreams too.
1: Bassan could be a feminist even if she did decide to be a stay-at-home mom in support of her spouse and family. It borders on condescension to think that the trailblazing women before us expect us to follow a certain path. Feminism doesn't have to look the same for everyone. Feminism can be pluralistic. It can be the rule-abiding, law-following, scrupulous evaluating of Ruth Bader Ginsburg to the intimate, well-researched, self-described bad feminism of Roxane Gay, to the marching and mobilizing of the Women's March women, and wait for it, feminism can even look as radical as being a stay-at-home mom, if you so choose. Feminism allows for the intricacy of the human experience. Bassan's story shows us that you can marry your culture with your ideals, that you can choose for yourself a life that may look different than what your family imagined for you. Feminism is rooted in the idea of choice, you must be free to choose the path that you have determined for yourself and that path can be the family that her mother yearned for the path Bassan has set down for herself or something new basan's journey through school her financial achievements her newfound independence were because of her mother's ideals not in spite of them and while Bassan's future is unknown the important part is that it's hers without distinction whether she wants to take a hammer to that glass ceiling or simply choose not to she should feel empowered to make either choice. Thank you to Basan Hanuna for sharing her story with us, to the team at Vituity for their support of this podcast, to Marco Gonzalez, our sound engineer, and to all of you for listening. I'm Melissa, and this is Real Talk.
0: want to connect with the Real Talk podcast or record your story with us? Start at realtalk.transistor.fm or you can follow the link in the show notes for this episode.